This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is New Year's Eve 2019. One last edition of T. Watts and TR here on the Built by Bama online podcast before we roll into 2020. I'm Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined as always by Tim Watts, BOL Publisher, Recruiting Senior Analyst uh, there at BamaOnline.com as well. And Tim, you know, we haven't done one of these uh, since before the Christmas holiday, and I've got so many questions about your Christmas and how that went for the Watts fam and uh, loved ones and such. But uh, So let's start right there. How about it, Tim? Give us a quick overview of the Christmas holiday. Maybe we'll get into best present uh, that you received, or favorite present. They're all great. We know that. Uh, And I got to know, too, I mean, the six Christmas trees there uh, that that you guys have. Um, You know, when I think about six Christmas trees, I start thinking about how does the the, the present opening work? Is it like a circuit workout at a gym or something where you have kettlebells at a station? Uh, you know, it, it, are there presents at every tree? I mean, how the heck does that work, Tim, when you got six Christmas trees? Well, you know, this year Christmas just felt different to me. I don't know if it did everybody else. It just was quick behind Thanksgiving. Seems like we lost a week almost. Did it feel that way to you? Like all of a sudden there's five or six extra days missing? It feels like it's already the new year is the way it feels to me. Like we had Christmas midweek, then we had a full weekend, and then we had a Monday, and it's still 2019. You know what I mean? It feels like we we should already be like three or four days into 2020. Yeah, it just was a different kind of feel this year. Not in a bad way, just different. I think we have – I'm a creature of habit, um, and almost everything I do is set on – basically, if you look at what I was doing this time last year, today I'll be doing basically the same thing other than this podcast – that you headlocked and told me to do. And I do love it like you predicted. <laughs> so um, other than that, I'm a, such a creature of habit. But for me, it was just, it was a little bit different. It was good. I mean, we took a trip. We just, this weekend, we went and saw a Pelicans game, although I'm over the the NBA. We go to NBA Pelicans game every uh, Christmas. This year, we go to the Rockets. And they got Russell Westbrook, who's needing a rest. He needs a day off. Load then, management. Yeah. Load management. Load, it's a load. I love it, right? It's a load of something. And then, yes, it's, yeah. And then Capello sits out. I don't know. I don't know if he just didn't have the right shoes with him. And then James Harding had a bruised toe and he's So there's three leading scorers set out in the game. Now, I will tell you this. I don't want to whine because it was the best NBA game we've ever seen. It was high scoring. These guards, I didn't even know who they were for the Rockets were smoking hot. Um, it was a great game. So we had a great Christmas. I mean, we had fun. And um, how was your trip? Where did you go? You met yeah, somewhere. we had a what I what I've called a uh, we had a neutral site Christmas. You know, Alabama plays these neutral site openers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we we scheduled a neutral site Christmas this year out in Salt Lake City, Utah, because we've got kids 
you know, as you know, we've got them scattered everywhere. You know Evan really well, our oldest, our son. He's out in Montana working as a sports writer. The oldest daughter playing basketball at the University of Hawaii. We're here in Tuscaloosa. So we said, you know what? We're going to take the Alabama football approach to Christmas, and we'll schedule a neutral site. And that's what we did. We 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 penciled in, or we we dropped a pin, I guess you could say, in oh, wow. Salt Lake because that made it easiest for everyone to get together. That's what we wanted to do, the wife and I, just get all three of the kids together because as they get older, That's you know, awesome. and more and more into their yeah. things, I mean, the, the likelihood of being able to do that it, it lessens greatly. So, yeah, we met up out in Salt Lake and we didn't have NBA. Jazz weren't in town. That was a little bit of a bummer. You know, right. the University of Utah is there in Salt Lake, but it was pretty much shut down for the three or four days we were out there. But it was great. It was a good time. Um, got up to Park City area a little bit. A couple of the kids got the snow tube. They enjoyed that. Hey, it was great. The wife, the big thing, and you know this, Tim, the big thing is getting the pictures of everybody together. Yeah, if you can just do that, Tim, the yeah. wife's going to be plenty happy about everything else, you know? I'll tell you. I'll tell you one of my tricks. I think I'm one of the smartest guys in the world. And I get mine like at the start of Thanksgiving, when the first guest gets there, I get my family and say, hey, let's hit this fireplace. Hey, let's hit this back porch, right. hit the front steps, yep. get it over with. Because at the end, like my mom, she would take pictures till from Thanksgiving to Christmas. She wants every combination, me and my oldest, me and my youngest, me and my daughter, me and my wife, me and my mom, you know, all that stuff. So we get that thing out of the way. So right out of the way, I'm like, are you good? She said, yes. And the rest is the rest is over. So we well, just, and the chances of everyone smiling and being fresh are far better at the start of those get-togethers. Absolutely, especially teenagers. <laughs> cause you told, yes, because you've told oh them after goodness. Thanksgiving they can go see their friend or they can go see the new movie. Yeah. So they're really just doing that fake, you know, hurry up, take it, I'm ready to go smile. So I agree. It is movie season. You're right. It is movie season. Do you see anything good uh, over the Christmas holiday? Dude, I, I love movies. But I suck unless it's the summer. I don't see yeah. any movies unless really? it's the summer. I don't. I now will go and see uh, um, movies with the kids, but I never see an adult movie. I never see like a grown-up movie. Um, just yeah. me and my wife going to the movies in the winter. Um, I don't know why that is. I just realized like we did see we saw something recently. I can't remember what you'd it was. Like, you'd like uncut gems if you if you get. See, that's what I'm saying. There's a million movies now. Part of it, I think. Part of it, I think I look forward to uh, seeing them at the house where my, I like to yeah. pause and get up and I like my own popcorn. So I think that factors in. Now, in the summer, I'm there almost every week, two or three times. You know what we did see? I forgot. We saw we saw a Christmas Vacation. That's the movie really? we went this year. We Yeah, the local at the theater. theater. Yes. It, you know, it's crazy because the kids are like, I said, this is my first time seeing it at a theater. And they're blown away. They're like, no way. And I was like. And when I was 14, we didn't go to the movies every week, you know. And not only did yeah. I not see it then, I had we to wait to see it on VHS. Yeah, you know? we went to Blockbuster uh, we back in the day. Right. Well, we, we we watched it. It was it was good. I mean, obviously it was dated, but it was good to see it up there. There's people singing in the audience and um, toe tapping and, you know, people laughing. I heard a lot of the older guys my age saying, I love this part. You know, kind of like, yeah, spoiler, I love this part. Kind of like the uh, the the newer era Rocky Horror Picture Show when you go see Christmas Vacation now in a theater yeah. because like you said everybody knows just about every sequence every line of those movies uh, great stuff and the theater that was near us out in Salt Lake Tim 
Christmas Eve had a free showing at 4 o'clock of Gremlins at, inside a theater. Now, we didn't get to go, and that kind of bummed me out. But, you know, we talked about movies being Christmas movies, and I, I think you mentioned Gremlins maybe as a as a you know one of those that's kind of on the borderline of Christmas movie versus not Christmas movie but there you go they had the they had the in theater showing of gremlins uh there for you on Christmas Eve yeah I think you know they tell me like the Alabama theater I've never actually made it down there but they tell me they do a good job of people yeah. getting pressed up and excited and, and going all that but I remember that phase my older brothers were in that I'll never forget my oldest brother come rolling out. Said he was going to a movie. I was staying with him in the weekend. He comes rolling out in drag. Like, bam. I said, <laughs> what the hell is happening here? I'm 14. I'm like, what is going on? This is not the clock. You know, what are you doing? He's like, oh, man, we're going to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And he explained it to me. And I said, oh, my gosh. You know, my other brother was dressed up, too. It was pretty funny, though. They had a group of like yeah, six, yeah. Yeah, 16 people going in three cars. That's how that's how safe it was. Oh, yeah. And back in the day, my older brother, uh, three years older than me, if there was just absolutely nothing to do, like say on a Friday night, we were going to see Rocky Horror Picture Show at midnight. That was just the way it was going to end for that particular night. But, you know, Uncut Gems, I did see it over the weekend. That's the good thing about my NFL team sucking as much as it does the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like you'll be husband of the year when your NFL team stinks because you're like, hey, let's go to a movie, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. And the wife's kind of looking at me like I'm a Martian. You really want to go on an NFL Sunday to see a movie? Well, yeah, the Jags are, you know, 5 and 10 or whatever it is. So, yeah, let's go see Uncut Gems with uh, Adam Sandler. I thought it was a strong flick. I think you'll like it. I'm not going to give anything away here on the podcast. Um, but the best part of the whole experience for me on Sunday him was coming out of the theater and with the new Star Wars movie also showing uh, seeing grown uh, people uh, adults in Star Wars gear. I'm coming out of the theater and here comes a stormtrooper right at me as I'm going to the... I felt like I needed a lightsaber or something. Oh at yeah. That point, at I, I felt threatened by this guy. At 24-7 Sports, I got a feeling we worked with several of them that were dressed up, <laughs> standing on that line from Wednesday waiting for that Thursday midnight ticket. You know, I've got I've got With their stormtrooper helmet on. I don't storm you know, trooper I don't, helmet on. I, I love the fact I know grown men that have no shame about feeling that emotional about Star Wars. I admire yeah. you know, iron for them. I wish I was that cool to love something most consider kind of nerdy and just not care. I'm not confident. I'm not that confident. That's I, I, what it is, Tim. It's, it's sheer confidence is all it is. You know? Or stupidity. It, is that however well, you want there's yeah. a fine line. Yeah, there's a there, there's a lack of self awareness, or they're super confident. It's one or the other. But I yeah, love them. Something you well, they'll tell me knowing I'm going to in a club. Yeah, they'll tell me knowing I'm going to make fun of them. That's why I admire them because they know you know me. I'm coming at you. I got all the jokes ready. I got a playlist. Flip to page three. Star Wars nerd, and I'm going at you. They come like I'm going to Star Wars. Go ahead and get the jokes out. I'm like all righty, here we go. My guy going in Sunday, though, I mean, he had on, like, jeans, you know, a T-shirt, nondescript T-shirt, tennis shoes, but then he had the Stormtrooper helmet on. You know, it wasn't like he was in full regalia, but by golly, he was going to have that. He was going to have something, and he had the uh, he had the helmet on. I, I had to respect it. I had to respect it in a weird um, sort of way. Uh, Tim, I guess uh, we ought to also, best present from the holiday season, or at least favorite. 
Um, they're all great, as we know. What was the, the coolest, best, slash favorite item, gift, experience it could be uh, that, that you took possession of there during the Christmas holiday? No, really, like, I'm a, I'm a hoodie guy, and the kids got me this awesome Brave Saints and uh, Pelicans hoodie. You know, my birthday's the 15th, so they're sort of grinding all those in there around the 20th. We're dropping them all in one big batch to get me out of the way. But the hoodie was super light, so I love this new dry fit. You remember the hoodies we had were always like the biggest, thickest cotton yeah. hoodies, and they were good because you either had a starter jacket if it rained, or you had a hoodie if it was daggone anywhere below 40 degrees and you were warm. Um, but now these things can keep you warm and they're lightweight. What about you? Yeah, you know, I, I've become more hoodie guy as I've gotten older. I guess it's an okay boomer type thing in some ways. Um, but I, I like the the ease and accessibility uh, and the comfort that the hoodie provides. You know, it's very versatile, especially this time of year. Man, I, I'm 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 gonna go fuddy duddy and just being able to get again all the kids together, um, it, 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 as they reach the the ages that they're at. I mean, we got a senior in high school, we got a senior in college, we got a, uh, a, a our son is already out there in the real world. So, you know, I, I would probably put that at the top of the list. But you know, with the wife being in the chocolate business like she is there at Peterbrook here in Tuscaloosa, Tim, Kills you it. know. I, I get the hookup. I get the hookup yes, on we the, the, the peppermint we part. Yeah. And look, you know, we we hooked you up. We yes. hooked you up this year. You did. Yeah. It was yeah. You hooked the family up. You should have seen these clowns. That they're like, yeah. who's Travis Ryder? Oh, I want that. I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, you don't even know who he is. That's my boy. So yes, it. I mean, it was good. It's not. This isn't yeah. a shameless plug. That stuff is sure good. Is. She kills it. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, it's a. You see me on Twitter. I've never tweeted to anybody's product other than Peterbrook. It's the first time it was. It was that good. Yeah, it, but it was just the experience altogether. I, 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 you know, it was one of those things. I mean, hell, we even took the dog to Utah. Okay, that's that's the extent we went to to get everybody together. <laughs> never flown with a dog before, so that was a new experience. But just making all that happen was. Uh, was outstanding but you know Tim, there's a lot going on in, in what we actually do there at bamaonline.com yeah there's work uh, that will yeah there's there's some work stuff that also has been going on and you know alabama as much as we talked about the 2020 cycle and we're going to continue to talk about it because there's still work to be done in that regard alabama um i guess picked up a, another commitment for 2021 since we last spoke and uh, looks like in continuing that theme from 2020, another edge defender type uh, that I think the adjective dynamic applies to and another in-state talent on top of all that. Yeah, you know, that's what we said. Everybody's sort of like when Alabama loses the Iron Bowl, they wonder if, you know, Alabama's just not as motivated as, as the Auburn team. And I, I don't believe that, honestly. I think the guys that come to Alabama – no matter where they're from, they're competitive or they wouldn't even come to Alabama. We all know you don't come in expecting to start right away. We all know there's a, a path, so I don't believe that. I don't believe the kids from Auburn play harder just because they're from the South. I think they play hard because they're they're you know they're a hard-nosed team, had a good defense and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, Nick Saban's going to sign the best in the in the uh, in the state whenever it's available. He did that in the 2020 cycle. Several guys from the the, uh, the state of Alabama, and this kid, Deontay Lawson's another. You know, what's funny is Alabama really was worried about inside linebacker, and rightly so this year with, with Shane Lee and Christian Harris starting as freshmen and 
true freshmen and guys they didn't really expect to contribute that greatly. And then last night we get the Dylan Moses, you know, news, which is just, you know, it's hard to, you know, you know, I've talked to talked and I've stayed is like, I can't, you can't put stars on what it means to have Dylan Moses back. I mean, he's got on the field. He was already a, you know, he's a five-star talent, you know, as far as a leader, as far as perception, everything is so that means so much to him. But yeah, you're getting guys like, you know, Dylan Moses to come back. You got Demoy Kennedy, who's one inside backer from that 2020 class. You're adding Deontay Lawson. And now we're seeing these athletes. We're seeing these athletes that we're used to seeing at the linebacker position. And and I think it's going to be a little bit more read and react, almost find ball, get ball, you know, that that kind of thing that you were used to. Not that Rolando McLean and CJ Mosley and all those inside backers were were really smart guys. And I think these guys fit the build. You know, the one thing I like about Lawson is I hear the exact same things about him off the field. You know, it's a good sign when you call it talk about a recruit. And when you ask college coaches about a recruit, when they instantly go to what kind of kid they are, you know, you probably got a pretty good player because we're not talking about a program kid, a a walk on caliber kid. We're talking about a guy that could end up in the top 100. And when college coaches are going, yeah, he's as good off the field as he is on the field. He's a great kid. He works hard and all that stuff. I mean, that's everything you're wanting to hear uh, from a recruiting standpoint. Place for Ronnie Cottrell, right? Down there at Mobile Christian, I believe, uh, yeah. in South Alabama. Well, you know, we could do uh, – Ronnie Cottrell's my guy now. You know, going back to his days, even at Florida State, of course, uh, his time here at Alabama was tumultuous there at the end. Uh, involved litigation uh, there in the at, at the latter stages of all that. But, uh, you know, I talked with Ronnie at a spring practice. I believe it was Ronnie with Deontay Lawson at a spring practice last March or April and had a chance to kind of get a look at this young guy uh, in terms of just the, the eye test. He certainly fits that bill of what you just outlined more of these twitchy, long uh, adaptable type athletes that can play a couple different spots on defense. Yeah. And I think the Alabama staff, something they did really well in the 2020 cycle, you know, you got this myth about the Bama bump, but Alabama has evaluated really, really well. A lot of those guys in the 2020 class simply were fantastic in their senior year. I could go down the list of these guys who did a great job. Their senior film speaks volumes. You go watch Timmy Smith. You go watch Brian Branch. You go watch Demoy Kennedy, Will Anderson. Go watch these guys, and they put on a show. We knew Drew Sanders was great. He was top 10 talent type. We knew Bryce Young was great. He was a top 10 talent type. And they played up to that top 10 talent, which is the key. And then you had other guys like Smith and Branch and a bunch of other guys I could go down the list. And they started out lower, and they let their senior film speak for them. And those guys stood out. I mean, they stood out, and they're still standing out at All-American games or passing the eyeball test, as you said. And, you know, their film speaks, you know, volumes about what kind of player they are. So uh, this staff just did a really good job evaluating. It's a little slower pace. I see our fans the Alabama fans get upset and they're like, we're not getting anybody. It's been three weeks and I get it. But I think, I think the key is to take the no brainers that you know for sure. And then the key is the second key is to get the guys you're not sure about, or you think you know about on the campus in June and get a good look at them. So I think that yeah, it, the slower pace is working for Nick Saban. And three commits now for that class of 2021. And you got to like all three because You've already hit the quarterback position with Drake May. 
considered to be a, a top five to top ten player at his position for the 2021 cycle. Latrell McCutcheon, a corner from Austin, Texas. Uh, like Drake May, a top 75 overall player for the class of 2021 right now. And now you add Lawson again to build on sort of that dynamic edge defender hall that you recently signed here at the University of Alabama. I'd say that's a, a strong start. And, and as we revert back to the finish for 2020, uh, Tim, I you know, I, maybe it's cliche, but Dylan Moses coming back feels like you just added another maybe six star to that 2020 class when you talk about retention uh, of a talent like that, assuming he can stay healthy. And I think you hit on it too. The tangible aspects that Dylan Moses provided are pretty obvious. You can look at Dylan Moses. You can look at even his 2018 season and see the value he brings uh, in terms of skill set and production and those type of things statistically. Uh, But the intangibles, right, that Alabama didn't have with Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan out of there, uh, I think in some ways you can you can hamper the development of guys like Shane Lee and Christian Harris by having to play them as much as you had to play them early because you can't focus on some of the fundamental aspects of the position that those guys still need because you're having to get them ready to play, you know, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of game week. And you don't have that guy to look up to. And that's one thing Alabama's always had, you know, they've always had that. You got to, you know, you got that big time junior senior ahead of them. You got that freshman learning from that guy because you don't have to, I mean, you know, of course, Dylan Moses, you don't have to know how much work he puts into the game. So he's that trendsetter in practice. He's that trendsetter in the weight room. And these guys didn't really get to get to see that during the season, you know, or really even through practice. So um, that alone is going to help guys like Shane Lee, you know, especially Des Moines Kennedy, these even younger guys. I mean, Shane and Bratton. Yeah. 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 Jackson Bratton's another one. But Shane Lee and Christian Harris, <laughs> they're seasoned veterans. Heck, they're almost juniors by now, you know, uh, as much as they've been through. You know, you know, it's not often you, you know, as 18 year old, you got offenses singling you out, you know, to, to try to attack you. So they certainly got good experience, but it's going to be important for these young guys. And um, and again, I just don't think you could sell to me. He's Tua of the defense. And yeah. uh, I don't I don't I mean, he was that important to that, that defense this year. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. And now you you know that Josh McMillan has uh, been approved for his sixth year. Uh, if he comes back and you have both those guys healthy to go along with some of the bumps and bruises that you had to endure with a couple of true freshmen and Shane Lee uh, and Christian Harris, uh, Jalen Moody, Ali Cahoe still in that mix. And now you're bringing in Demoy Kennedy and Jackson Bratton. Suddenly you're not only stocked with talent, but if if McMillan does indeed join uh, Moses in coming back, boy, at the top of that list and in that room, when you talk about respected voices, uh, you got the best of all worlds suddenly uh, if it plays out exactly that way. But certainly a big, big piece in Dylan Moses coming back. What about Tua at this point? Tua's, we talked about this, I think, the last time we did a, a T. Watts and TR here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Uh, Tua's been hinting towards some things when it comes to a potential return to Alabama for the 2020 season. Tim, we're, we're, we need to get an official Tim, 
thermometer, I guess we'll call it a two uh, two uh for you when it comes to you know what 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 is the expectation uh, here on New Year's think, Eve from Tim Watts for Tua? I thought Tua, you know, Tua reminds me of that guy that's really happy. You know, I think he's the guy that's really happy in college. Um, I think he enjoys that social setting. You got to admit, you know, everybody thinks it's go become a pro and be a millionaire. There's a lot of pressure with that. You know, it's good pressure at 21. I'd have loved it. You know, I think a lot of us would. But at the same time, I see those guys who can want to play. You know, again, I mentioned Damian Harris, who they had to escort off the premises. He never wanted to leave. And, um, you know, so I think, too, is definitely a guy that's looking at coming back. I know his parents weigh heavily, especially his dad. He's going to do all the due diligence um, with that. I'm, I'm hesitant to predict. I would imagine he could be leaning to coming back with his hints, but I'm pure speculating. I'm pure speculating. Nobody know. I tell you this. I talked to three NFL guys in NFL offices who told me the one guy the most likely to leave was Dylan Moses. Three separate NFL staffs. This is before. This is right wow. around. The, this is right. Or this is after the Auburn game. And yeah. when I was talking, and that's when the grades still hadn't went out because I was sort of trying to get a feel what everybody had heard. And they said the one. They said the most likely to go out in their opinion was Dylan Moses. So wow. here he is coming back. So that just tells you right there, you never really know. Now with Dylan, it was interesting because we've seen this before. We've seen guys as talented as Dylan have an injury, significant injury, um, and miss some time. Now Dylan's happened at a fortunate time because he not, I mean, it's not fortunate ever, but it's better than happened in the bowl game. Like we saw with Notre Dame's Jalen Smith, who went from a top 10 yeah. pick to the early in the second round. And the same with Miles Jack, the kid at UCLA, who got injured too late. He got injured late, and then he went in the second round. Now, they're paying out because they did end up getting their big second contract, but they did fall into the second round. So I, I figured that one was on the fence. And knowing Dylan and having followed his career, that's a very serious guy. Um, he's sort of like – he does. Another guy reminds me of Mika, sort of got that NFL mindset from birth, um, that motivation. So, again, just a huge get with him coming back. Tua wouldn't surprise me either way, but his hints – make me think that he is leaning to coming back. But that again, it's it's I'm so happy. you know, I get asked this on the board all the time. What is what is so and so's tweet means? I literally have no clue. <laughs> I don't know if they're I know my kids will put some up on Instagram and I have to call them and get clarification. Like, hey, what is this? What is this gorilla and this fire and this cucumber mean? What's happening right here, you know? <laughs> so yeah, what does this mean, buddy? You know, so I sure don't know what other people's kids are thinking you don't you don't speak emoji ease you don't speak that language all that well yeah i don't, I don't either um yeah, i don't not sure but, it ever really means a lot but with tua i don't i think he's a guy that's considered been it. pretty I mean, strong with tua it's been pretty strong to there with are tua. other factors now his dad's going to have a heavily influence on his decision and the people yeah. around him so at the end of the day that's that's going to weigh heavily so i think tua obviously is okay coming back i'll put it that way i think if he comes back He'll be fine. He'll be happy. He'll be excited. Um, and the way he's playing with the other guys, he's either recruiting them to come back to some degree, um, which is smart, of course, or uh, or he's just being a goofball. You know, he's being yeah. Professionally, professionally for us at this point, we really do hope Tua comes back because after these Tua teases, as I call them, uh, if he goes out, boy, the roundtable, right? What will the you know the roundtable would have been tough without it and Tua goes out 
But with Tua sort of playing around a little bit and having some fun, if he goes out now, ooh, that round table, Tim. In the yeah, I think I, I agree, but I think they'll be okay because I mean, at the end of the day, this guy, if you don't, if you don't love Tua. I mean, yeah. it's funny. He's the one Alabama guy. Sean Alexander was super popular, too, and there's been other ones. But, you know, two is loved by, like, even by Auburn LSU fans. I think that, you know, when he got injured, um, you saw at Mississippi State, it was dead silence. You know, yeah. you didn't even have that one jackass going, yeah, good job. You know, you didn't even ringing have a, that. Ringing a cowbell? Yeah. There wasn't even a cowbell ringing? No, you just had complete silence, and the kid yeah. got up, and they clapped. I mean, you could tell. Uh, I think most people realize the kind of guy he is. It won't be ideal, but I will say, even if he leaves, I think Bryce Young is going to cushion that fall. And I'm telling you something. If Tua does leave, this quarterback battle is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. <clears throat> it is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, you've got Mac Jones, who will have his third start, three starts under his belt, a redshirt. Uh, what does it be, a redshirt junior next year? You've got yeah. Bryce Young coming in with all the accolades, even more than Tua did. You got, you know, you got Talia over there. Talia is a kid I just don't think you can sleep on. I think he'll compete for that job. So, um, you know, certainly going to be interesting. To, you know, now you add two into that quarterback room, and it's, you know, it's really going to get tricky. So, Tim, let, let's, let's assume Tua comes back. We're not reporting or predicting, by the way, that Tua is coming back. But if he does come back, in that scenario, other than Nick Saban and Alabama football in general, in the quarterback room specifically, who's the biggest winner, big picture wise, if Tua comes back? Is it Bryce Young because he gets to watch and learn and and spend time uh, and and de- continue to develop at a reasonable rate while sort of waiting in the wings behind Tua? Um, is it Talia because it, it sort of allows him more time to get to perhaps where he needs to be? And on the other side of that, who's maybe the biggest? loser in it all is it mac jones is this mac jones window right now sort of hinging on what tua does here in the next uh couple of three weeks you know i think i think you're right on both accounts i think talia and bryce young benefit greatly um as far as a learning experience i think it does you know would hurt mac max played two guns you know we still gotta see what he does against michigan tomorrow but you know if, if that that guy has never lacked confidence um He's never, you know, never, you know, signed out, you know, came in after Tua. He knew what was going on there. And I came in after, you know, Jalen was on campus also. Uh, the, the guys love him. We've said this a dozen times. He's the locker room. They love him. You know, he's got the locker room as well. So I think that from a standpoint, as far as playing time, it would it would hurt for him because he's probably the leader going into the clubhouse. I know everybody's written off, you know, written Bryce Young in, penciled him in as the starter. But I think Mac Jones has sort of earned the right to be, if Tua leaves, to be titled the starter until proven otherwise. And I think that's sort of how Nick Saban operates, too. So um, definitely big wins. I don't think Mac's the kind of guy that Tua comes back, he's going to be mad. He might have to make a business decision similar to what Jalen did. And I would understand that. I understood when Jalen made that decision. And, you know, it could be Tua comes back and Mac decides that, you know, he can go somewhere else and play. Certainly probably can. So it's going to be an interesting room. But then again, like I said, Mac's the ultimate teammate. When Mac came in and played um, and you saw him throw touchdown passes or do something, you could see on the sideline how excited those guys were for him. They loved that joker. You saw yeah. the you saw the starters running up and high five him and smiling and to his fist pump, and they love Mac Jones. So it would be an it for the Alabama staff, it's it's a it's 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 a 
it's a tough situation, but a welcome one. Uh, for some of the other quarterbacks, it'll get a little crowded in there. You know, it's like being on a, you know, you being on a three-seater, you know, three-seater uh, car, a motorcycle or something with a sidecar, and you're trying to get that fourth guy on there. Yeah, so, for some of those guys, unfortunately, it'd be like you and I as, you know, uh, contestants on The Bachelorette. You know, we'd be in, we'd be in the room, <laughs> but we wouldn't really be in the game, if you know what I'm saying, Tim. You know, We'd have to say, we were on there. They just squeezed it so <laughs> tight. They left it. We were on the edge. Me and Travis were on the edge. Yeah, yeah. I think that would unfortunately definitely be the case. Um, It is T. Watts and TR, a New Year's Eve 2019 edition uh, right here on the Built by Bama online podcast. We would certainly appreciate it if you haven't already. Subscribing to the podcast there on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast, Built by Bama Online Podcast, T. Watts and T.R. You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including NexGuard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. Tim, you mentioned Bryce Young and the immediate future, the big picture future for he and other members of this 2020 class. Well, the immediate future involves Bryce Young and a handful of these guys participating in the uh, two best-known uh, all-star games when it comes to high school football. Those are uh, the Under Armour game down in Florida, and then, of course, you have the All-American game uh, out in Texas. Uh, what's the last week been like for guys like Bryce Young and Will Anderson, uh, Chris Braswell, a couple of the big guys that have been long committed to Alabama, Damian George, Jason Jones, Um an item or two of note that maybe has struck you uh, profoundly here when it comes to, to Alabama commits and signees now in many of these cases in these all-star games. Tell you, the Under Armour game was disappointing because uh, Des Moines Kennedy's banged up and he, he's not going to play. And I was really excited for the nation to see him. You know, he's been pretty quiet. Uh, his, his recruitment, you know, even his recruitment, even though with just the LSU drama, uh, was still pretty quiet. LSU fans never got hyped. Alabama fans got a little rowdy about that. But this kid's a player. This is a five-star caliber guy. Um, I was looking forward to him showcasing his ability. He's a little bit banged up. He finished the season banged up, so he's going to sit out. Drew Sanders and Jason McClellan, Texas kids, I believe they played just wrapped up 16-game seasons, if that's right. 16-game wow. season. My math is right. They had five weeks of preseason. 16 straight weeks of football games, and they uh, they might have had an off week in there, but they had like 21 or 22 straight weeks of padded football. So they're sitting wow. out. They're just dinged up, and I don't 
blame him. I mean, Jay's played in that that uh the his state championship game and he was obviously injured on a on a hobbled ankle, still did a great job. Drew Sanders, fantastic year. So that's a little bit of the disappointment. You got some of the other guys, I mean, under the uh all American game used to be the Army. It's getting going today. We got Hank South down there. Um, they were starting to practice today. The eyeball test that everybody loves, all the kids walking in look the ball apart. I'm really excited to see Q Robinson. He, you know, he missed most of his senior year, the the Birmingham linebacker. I think he's a freaky athlete. Now he's still raw, as Birmingham kids often are. And I've seen that so many times with a kid from Birmingham. And um, you know, people worried about I'll never forget Alabama, you know, not really even that old staff wouldn't even really look at uh uh Earl Bennett, Cornelius's nephew or something. He, yeah. Yeah. He, he wanted a scholarship so bad that I went to his high school game and his coach said, tell me, because he was a quarterback, he said, tell me where to play him to get him filmed. And that kid would be at defensive back, at running back, at wide receiver, at quarterback. I mean, he would be ever returning punts, turning kickoffs, yeah. um, and had Vanderbilt grades. So that was one of the biggest misses. But he's that raw bone guy that comes in there. Quentin Williams is another raw guy. Well, well, Q's sort of that guy, too. Physically, he's beautiful can run, he's fast, he's got all those tools. It's going to be a little bit raw. You know, I was looking at some the other day. I was talking to our Auburn publisher, Keith Niebuhr, and this is a side note, but do you know that uh, about eight months ago, Auburn's linebackers committed were Demoy Kennedy, who should be a five-star, uh, the Simpson kid who just went to Clemson, who is a five-star, and Q Robinson, who's a top 40 player. Wow. Kevin still had those three guys committed before they blew up, before they had Auburn, Clemson, Georgia, all those – I mean, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia offers. Auburn had those three guys committed, which would have been one of the most elite linebacker signings I've seen. Um, but it, it shows you how different recruiting is. You know, people I see on the roundtable are upset. And, we, yeah, we need to – forgot we got to get to those questions. But we have people on the roundtable upset Alabama's only got three 2021 commitments. You know, uh, you know, eight wow. months eight months ago, Oklahoma's best two commitments were Jace McClellan and Drew Sanders, who signed with Alabama. So what's happening eight months from signing day is really not that important. It's important as far as how's the recruiting going, building the relationships, setting the tone, getting some kid on a first date visit, and he's never been anywhere else, and pushing him to commit. That's eh, not a big deal. That's hard to hold up. You know, just building relationships, working that angle, um, establishing trust and all that stuff. That's what's going to pay off for them in December. No doubt about it. And uh, it, it is interesting because of how the game itself has changed here in recent years, uh, how staffs have had to adapt to the changes, uh, the evaluation process in terms of how that calendar has gotten shuffled. Uh, it's been very fascinating to watch staffs like Nick Saban's at Alabama and others sort of adapt on the fly in a lot of ways because you know this and we both do having been around it for so long. You know when there's changes made to to the process like there has been in recent years, it's not like you get a year to kind of shut down and sort of reshuffle and say, okay, we're going to reorganize and this is how we're going to do it moving forward to have to do it. You know, while it's, while it's, while the days are continuing to come off the calendar, uh, makes it especially difficult, but, uh, man, these guys like Nick Saban and others, they seem to, 
uh, have that ability to uh, adapt. It's almost like an in-game situation uh, on a Saturday for a lot of them when it comes to other aspects of the job. It is the T. Watts and T.R. edition of the Built by Bama online podcast on Tuesday, December the 20, the 31st, excuse me, 2019. What do you say, Tim? Do you want to jump into, I mean, this mailbag, you kind of got to enter this thing at your own risk. You know, some of the stuff we get in this uh, mailbag thread, we love it. We appreciate it there on the roundtable at Built by Bama uh at bamaonline.com uh we asked for it tim so here we go oh they went uh, all yeah they went crazy with uh, it all over the place now I was like some, somebody asked us something and then all of a sudden i said holy crap yeah. yeah i think i think we got asked if we could milk an almond or something like that um no there, there were questions about dylan moses we've already kind of touched on that and the effect uh that it'll have in terms of depth at uh at inside linebacker uh, specifically, but you know, I think, um, Casey Bama 16 sort of makes a good point here, uh, in terms of depth at inside linebacker, but then also how thin Alabama will be at outside linebacker and the potential for guys to maybe cross train more than what we've seen the last year or two, you know, that's kind of been a staple of the linebacker positions under Nick Saban, uh, throughout the years is that uh, several of these guys, you know, you could transition between inside linebacker, outside linebacker, whether it was Dante Hightower, whether it was, you know, Reggie Ragland, Rashawn Evans, uh, the list goes on and on. So when we look at it right now with Dylan Moses coming back, I think he's an obvious candidate because, Tim, we've seen him work both at outside linebacker and inside linebacker. And I think that would have been the plan this year for Dylan Moses. I think Dylan Moses uh, in certain situations, you would have seen him at Mac linebacker, uh, at Mike linebacker, and then maybe in passing downs, because he is a dynamic edge guy when he needs to be, you would have seen him rush the passer. So I think that speaks to as well what Alabama hasn't had this year because Dylan Moses hasn't been on the field. The ability to impact the game in multiple ways. Yeah, <clears throat> with the signees, when you look at these guys, I've seen even the new guy, the Lawson kid, I thought outside linebacker, and then I, you know, ask a few, ask around a little bit, and they like him inside. I think these guys are versatile enough. I mean, you look at like, <clears throat> you know, you look at like a uh, Demoy Kennedy. He's still not quite 220 pounds. Now it's probably pretty easy for a guy like that enrolling early and and you know getting all that you know getting all that food and all the you know the weight. Scott Cochran, those guys, it's gonna be pretty easy for him to get in that 230 range. But some of these guys will end up better outside. Drew Sanders is a prime example to me. The guy can play inside. He can play outside. They like him as a rush hand. It could come down to where they're more mo, most comfortable because, you know, some guys just like that quick twitch off the snap and then beat that one guy and get that bend to get to the quarterback. That's what they're best at. Some like weaving through that traffic because, you know, as an inside backer trying to get to that quarterback, you're playing a little Mario Kart. You're like dodging, you know, you're you're having to dodge this guy and hit this hole and, you know, go around the running back trying to pick him up. So I love how versatile, and, and you know, Quindarius Robinson's another one. I think Jackson Bratton is probably as clear cut out of the linebackers as you've got. Cause to me, he's a pure inside guy. Right. I mean, he is a pure inside guy. <clears throat> he, he thrives in that. Not that he doesn't have lateral speed and all that stuff, but as big as he is, as thick as he is, you can look at him and tell he's sort of, you know, he looks to me <clears throat> now we got him listed at 233. He looks to me to be closer to 240 pounds and he looks Solid. very much. Yeah. yeah. He looks very, there's a lot of plays where they're running at Jackson and Jackson's sort of standing at them. And it's like, it's like hitting a, hitting a wall. 
So I think the guy's pretty sturdy. But the rest of those guys, I think you can see a lot of flexibility. Um, and it could come down simply to have, you know, how does a uh, uh, Chris Braswell, is he going to come in ready to play? Is he going to get out on that edge? Is he going to be sort of that jack linebacker? He is. It might open you up to move some of these guys. You had factored outside, inside. All I know is Alabama wants to get every one of these athletes in that front seven on the field. And I feel like they've got some really good guys in the last two classes, youth-wise, to come in there and push. Yeah, we talked about Dylan. Uh, uh, we talked about uh, Drew Sanders in the past, and I've, I've made the comparison just in terms of measurables and potential skill set to a guy like Dante Hightower. And I, I can certainly see some of that in Drew Sanders. Typically, you don't see guys who are six four plus as much these days playing in the middle of the defense because what we're seeing more and more, 6'2", maybe 6'3", 225-ish, whereas Rolando McClain, as we know, 6'3", 6'4", played at about 250, you know, 10 years ago. The right. game has changed. You know, we've got space players all over the field now because you have to on the defensive side of the ball. But, uh, yeah, the versatility there, as we've talked about and you've talked about, uh, the athleticism and the twitch and those things, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, that's going to come in, I think, extremely handy uh, for this uh, this defensive staff at Alabama. Palmetto two tie uh, Palmetto tied two. Tim, that's a tongue twister. Um, he wants to know best movie or TV show that we watched in 2019. One or the other or both. What do you got, Tim? Man, I do not know. I'll give you my movie. You want my movie? Yes, and, and look, Uncut Gems was really good. Talked about that earlier, saw that over the weekend. Uh, of course, I love The Irishman. I mean, it's Scorsese, it's De Niro, yeah. it's Pecci, it's Pacino. So absolutely, I loved it. Yes, it was about as long as Gone with the Wind, but still, you know, it was still uh, quality, quality watch. I'll tell you what, though, Dolomite, That's My Name with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> that is good. That's the best movie I saw all year. I forgot that's, to tell that's, you. That's number one for me. Well, the best part for me was after the movie when I went and watched some of these clips of the real Dolomite. And the, <laughs> the dude had me rolling, falling down laughing. That was the best. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, you I mean, the, the original that, Dolomite. So I watched it two nights later on Netflix. It's so bad, it's great. It's just I so mean, bad. It, it just, the whole thing. And then when I went and watched the old clips of that movie, dude, this dude, yeah. that guy, he's a, he's a legend. Oh, he is. Dolomite. Multiple movies. Dolomite was no joke. I mean, that guy was funny. It was one of those old movies, you know, those old cheap, low-budget movies. And, hey, some of those movies in the 70s, 80s that had no budget were absolutely oh, yeah. the best movie. You know, because we can, you know, we can overdo. Uh, I love The Irishman. Thought it was good. Um, you know, which I tell you, this is going to be, you know, probably get made fun of a lot. But I've never seen the show Park and Rec. Parks and Rec. I've never uh -huh. seen that show, and I watched it last summer, and it blew my mind. I've never seen an episode. I got this bad habit of, if I, hey, if I don't get the first episode, I never really watch it, um, unless I binge watch it. But it's the one with Amy Poehler. Um, I yeah. mean, the cast is fantastic. I mean, she's so funny. I mean, I watched it. Uh, it was hilarious. I mean, it's, it, it was so good. I'm watching a show, 30 Rock, that everybody else is probably listening going, no crap, it's good. But Tina Fey, <laughs> Tina Fey's you, killing me. You're going to watch Seinfeld next, Tim? I mean, I've, I've seen yeah. Seinfeld now. Don't, oh, okay. Don't be funny. Uh, that's good. Don't no, play no. emotions. <laughs> yes. That's my, my favorite TV show, and I and I include the, the cable series, obviously, 
on this righteous gemstones for me Ooh, in 2019 is just it's out of this world it's incredible i mean danny mcbride uh jody hill every time you think that collaboration is sort of outdone itself whether it was eastbound and down whether it was vice principals uh, then they come up with this, and Edie Preston, Edie Peterson in that yeah, is the characters. The sister, I love the Walter sister. Walton Goggins is incredible. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's Edie. Yeah. That's Edie Peterson. I love her. I love her husband. Her husband, uh, uh, you know what BJ? I mean. The son from the from the new vacation. I mean, the cast is outstanding. Yeah. The writing's edgy. They do some weird stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's it was definitely up there. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't think of a better show I saw that was a new show. Um, I watch so many shows. You know what I mean? I love that's one of my favorite things to do, sort of kill the time. But they, uh, uh, you know, anything with that cast and that 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 Walter guy, he kills everything he's in. I've watched Justified. I mean, the oh, fact he's from Sanford, you know, where or from Birmingham. Great. Yeah, from oh, yeah. Birmingham. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, there was a lot of good shows this year. Um uh, I like they're being a little bit edgier too with the with the shows. They're not as cut and dry. Now there's still some staple shows that that I see. I don't some of these shows I don't know how is uh how's on how they're still on the air. Their their script is so bad. I swear they make them up as they go along. But, but I like edgy TV. I like when the you know I like when everybody's roles a little bit even. I tell you, was John Wick three this year? I think Ooh. it was this year, right? It was. If it wasn't, it was close, I believe. I loved. I love John Wick three. I think it's hard to get a third. That's the Godfather. It's hard to get a third movie. By the way, Godfather three is the most underrated movie ever. I don't care. Really? Okay. I, dude, how is how that role? That movie's so good, and everybody knows so great. Yeah. Everybody, yes. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. And I, Andy That's Gar- iconic. Garcia, That's iconic. Andy that Garcia being Sonny's bastard child <laughs> and having every bit of his temper is one of the greatest characters around. And you had, you know, you had a good plot. Everybody's focused on the daughter, and she was kind of annoying, but I, I didn't think it was enough. Coppola had to get the kid in there, though. I just you don't know, think of her. In there. I just don't think if her name was Coppola, it would have been they would have pounded her that bad. Yeah, she probably should have. She probably should have did what Nick Cage did. Just change that last name. Yeah. I don't want nothing to do with that. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he's her nephew or something. He just yeah. changed it. Like, no, nah, I ain't going to be Nick Coppola. That sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. If he went with Nicolas Cage and went with it. But, yeah, overall, it was a good movie year, a good show year. Yeah, I, I enjoy I thought there was some good stuff out there in 2019. Uh, as we move through the mailbag here, uh, question about assuming – uh, that Devontae and Ruggs were to come back. Is Jalen Waddle the automatic third starter there at wide receiver to go along with both of them? I mean, you talk about a, a, if Ruggs and, and Smitty, as Ward for Bama ask here in the mailbag, it, that you talk about a dream scenario, getting two of those three guys back. If Jerry Judy's the only receiver you lose from that group, yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely makes sense that Jalen Waddle, who really has been as hot uh, down the stretch as any skill player Alabama has had, maybe other than Najee Harris, who's been great. Um, and then also you talk about the newcomers coming in, uh, Tyu Jones-Bell among them, uh, and then and then the potential, as we talked about earlier, Tim, for a uh, – you got a crowded room at the quarterback position potentially – 
but then also you might have the same situation at wide receiver. Sort of the saving grace there, though, in terms of potential attrition, you play more than one guy at wide receiver. So, you know, if if you bring back two of those three, you have Waddle, you have Mechie, uh, Shavers, Bolden, Xavier Williams, the newcomers. Um, it's, it's probably not overly crowded, although nah, I don't I think, think, I don't think right. it would be a surprise if somebody left. And I also think if you're looking in an ideal situation, if we're assuming uh, in this this scenario, to be clear, if we're assuming Tua comes back, Ruggs comes back, Smith comes back, there's going to be an entire set. Say Najee comes back. There's going to be an entire second unit that can play for the most part. you got young offensive linemen that are going to need experience. Bryce Young or or Max going to be getting in there getting experience. They will still be running the same offense. We saw that when Tua backed up Jalen. So those backup receivers will still be getting catches. I mean, there will be there, you know, two is not going to be playing in the fourth quarter of many games if he comes back to my guess. And, you know, you'd same for rugs and, and those guys, they'll be developing. They'll have to develop for the future. You got to get these guys some experience. So I think they'll get playing time. Um, and I don't think, you know, it's to me, I have trouble believing a guy like Mechie's going to look up and said, I can't believe I'm starting behind Devonta Smith or Waddle or, are rugs. I think people realize. I mean, the fact that we're saying if Bama just loses Jerry Judy, they're okay. That tells you how good Rugs and Smith are. Yeah, it does. And Judy's a Judy's a that tells you Judy's elite. We're like, ah, we just you know, Bama just lost Judy. So we're good. And and when you look to 2021, there there's not a question about whether or not Devontae Smith and and Ruggs would be back and that they, they gotta go. I mean they, they they would be seniors and so you know, you're looking at as, as early as 2021, some of these guys, and perhaps even 2020. I mean, we're, we're throwing a scenario out there in which both Devontae Smith and Henry Ruggs return to go along with Jalen Waddell. But in 2021, you're right. you got to keep getting guys ready um, because there there is a definitive uh, end game uh, to this, this tremendous group of, of receivers, whether it's largely after – Wednesday's game against Michigan, or if it's even in a year's time, you still need to have that next wave of guys ready to go. As we wrap up with the mailbag, and Tim, I want to get your thoughts on the college football playoff before we get out of here, because that was uh, that was some amazing, you talk about theater, that was some pretty amazing theater Saturday night out in Glendale, Arizona. Um, anything else from the mailbag here? If we can, no, I don't think I'm going to ask Tim would he rather uh, hit himself in the jewels with a hammer or deal with all of the scout members? I'm not going to do that. Um, hey, let me tell, let me <laughs> let me tell you this. I love my RBOLers who've been with us forever. Yeah. These guys are pretending these questions didn't happen till the scout merger. They are fooling their self, but they're not fooling us. I have been answering these questions for 19 years every year. Same question. Marlon Humphrey's going to FSU. Andre Smith's going to USC. This is not scout related. This is absolutely human nature. I find it funny because they're like, oh, it's scout. And I'm like, no, you've been with me 17 years. I know you ask me this every year. I don't think it's scout related. I think it's human nature related. And um, to me, it's <clears throat> I don't mind answering the questions. It's Groundhog's Day. I get the question. I say this all the time. If you're a grown man <clears throat> with a family, you're probably not on the site 24-7. So if, if I answer a question on Tuesday and he asks it on Thursday, I don't mind answering it again because it's off the board. I know some of the guys are like, read the board. I'm like, all right, relax. You know, this 
So I don't mind. But yeah, these these questions, this is not something new. Um, these I don't mind them. I've not hit myself any with the in the jewels with a marshmallow <laughs> for the record. So let alone a friggin' who asked that? Who asked if I wanted to hit myself with a hammer in the in the in the baby maker? He lost his mind. But Let, no. let's see. Let's see here. Um, no, no, I'm not doing that. That's a Saban 18. Your boy. Okay. All right. Yeah. That, I, okay. that, that makes sense now. I, I was it? betting on Jam Bama or Weedline, but I'll go with Saban 18 is good enough. So yeah, but yeah, yeah, that Clemson game, when we look at that game, let's touch on that. It's It was crazy. I, I get the referees miss some calls, but I mean, I don't know if people just watch their own team. I think that's what it is because – when I watch football, I watch it like you do all the time. NFL, high school, college, I watch it all the time. I watch the dumb games. I'm up too late. You know, I'm watching games that don't matter with people I don't know. And Like the Orange I'll, Bowl last night. Absolutely. I'm watching it. don't matter. I'm watching it. I watch football. I want to watch it. You know, my volume might be off or whatever. But in every game I see, the referees are bad. I've been watching the NFL, and they're bad. They're bad every week. Referees are not very good at their job. <laughs> Some are, I'm sure, but collectively in each game, I see an issue. In the Clemson game, the Ohio State game, it was major issues. You don't want a whole nation calling you out for reversing a call you weren't even supposed to look at as far as the concussion goes. Yeah. With that said, Ohio State needs to be kicking their own ass, not trying to exactly. kick Paris' ass. They gave a game away. They had a wide-open touchdown. I mean, for some reason, that wasn't a good pass to Dobbins in the end zone. He had to dive. You got to get a little touch under that. Dobbins dropped a screen pass for Pete's sake, though. He was going to moonwalk into the end zone. It was a great call against a, a Clemson blitz that was coming like their hair was on fire. And then the last pass. Yeah. The la I mean, I don't blame Fields for the pass. I blame the receiver for breaking it off, you know. I think you run that through, and it was a really good play by Kevin Turner's son. You got to have some – you got to have some mitts to pull that in. It was a great game. I really thought Ohio State was the better team, but I, I think Clemson plays hard for their coach. Yeah, they do. And the old adage that goes back to whether it's MMA or boxing or whichever pugilism is your uh, preference, uh, when, when you have the champ down, you knock his ass out. And Ohio State didn't do that. And at 16 to nothing, you still felt like, look, if Clemson can somehow just get points of any kind to sort of stem this this tide uh, that that Ohio State has come with here in the first quarter or so of this game, they're still going to have a chance because they have that experience. More importantly, they have the quarterback who has that experience in Trevor Lawrence. And, um, you know, I agree. I, obviously, the, the fumble and, and return that wasn't for a touchdown was big. Now that was huge. But that was a there were chances. Ball. It was. I thought it was. And but there were chances for Ohio State to make that play. I wouldn't say non-consequential, but certainly minimize it a it's, great deal. It's hard for me to think LSU doesn't win this game and convincingly. But I mean, until somebody beats Clemson, because yeah. I mean, I thought North Carolina had them beat. I thought Ohio State had them beat. They keep stepping up. They keep rising up. I know you, you remember this, but remember Never Nervous Purvis Ellison? Oh, yeah. He Horrible. just – or Carmelo with Syracuse. There's certain guys that just take over a situation, and there's nothing they can do. I mean, Joe Burrow's out winning three-point shootouts, you know? I, I mean, know. I, I would have – I would have picked Joe Burrow up, go to Vegas, and go red or black, Joe, red or black, stick with me. Yeah. You know, this yeah. guy is just on a heater. 
I mean, the guy he I is, and, he, and he's an he's a he's an old fart, man. He is the he is the biggest oddity in college football right now, Tim. He is a superstar who is a fifth year senior. How many yeah. of those guys have we They're seen in the last ten? Old, years? He's going to be older than the Lamar unicorn. Jackson, the NFL MVP. Yeah. But the kid, we talk about we talk about the great career Jalen Hurts has had. He just turned twenty one in August. That's you know, this. Crazy. You know, that's I mean, we talk crazy. about Jalen Hurts. Like Jaylen, he's Eli Manning for the last time. Jalen was 30 years old as long as we've we've been yeah. covering that guy, and and what a great career for him. But yeah, with Joe, I mean that team's just hot. You know that that's a hot team. That's a hot. You know everything about them is set up really nice. I've seen Alabama teams. I felt the same way. Um, uh, and I, I you know, I, I you know Oklahoma to me wasn't a very good football team. I said that. The, they, I know they. I guess they had to get the fourth seed, but they weren't as good as Alabama. They wouldn't. Have, they weren't as good as Auburn. They weren't as good. I mean, Florida. I think. I think Florida. I think Georgia would have been. You know, you could have. You could have rematched. Oh, yeah. You could have rematched Georgia and LSU or Alabama and LSU. They. I'm not saying they beat LSU. I'm saying they have a better chance of beating LSU than Oklahoma, who really had no chance. You know, Oklahoma, and I can't read or whatever it was. Well, I'm I'm reading this rhetoric coming from Oklahoma, and it's this isn't the same team as last year. We're no crap. You don't have the number one player in the draft. That's a big one. That's a big. You lost Kyler Murray, who was that team last year. Um, You know, not 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 taking a slight at Jaden, but Kyler Murray won games for them individually, like the Army game. So that was a different team. There was no match. That the four team just wasn't going to be a great option this year when you're looking at. You know, two loss Alabama, two loss Georgia, two two loss, three loss Auburn or whatever it was, or Oregon. You know, just wasn't a wasn't a great scenario for that fourth team this year. But I would I, I think LSU has a pretty good chance of winning this national championship. I do too. I here's the problem I have for Clemson in that matchup. And we'll we'll do more of these before the game because we're still two weeks away from it, uh, really. I, I look at the Clemson defense and I don't see enough Isaiah Simmons types in that defense. I think at corner, you know, Clemson's fine. I also don't think Clemson, certainly compared to the last few years, when you talk about generating a pass rush just with four guys, Tim, this Clemson defense isn't those Clemson defenses. And then you don't have enough Isaiah Simmons types at linebacker and safety. I I was thrilled for Nolan Turner the son of the uh-huh. late, great Kevin Turner, to make that play late in the game. But hey, when that- I realistically look at what Clemson has on the back end everywhere other than corner and the diversity that LSU has in its passing game, Tim, I just have a hard time seeing how Clemson matches up without bringing pressure. And LSU loves you to bring the blitz. Yeah, Joe, hey, Joe Burrow is cool in the fan. He's cool hand Luke. I mean, he's going to sit back there, really crafty, really smart, very mature, obviously. Um you know, that's a, that's a guy. I'm wondering if we're not going to see a reverse of last year where Alabama went in that game and they were, you know, not even close defensively to where they were the previous year. Um, and it showed. I'm wondering if Clemson's not going to see that because they're sort of in an influx here. They play great together. Don't get me wrong. Clemson plays great together. Venables calls a great game. He's, you know, he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the, in the country, if not the best. I'm, I'm shocked he hadn't got a head job, to be honest. But He's a guy. They're gonna. They're not as talented this year as they will be next year. Their recruiting class is gonna bring in some guys. 
that are going to help them out. They got good, you know, they got good players all over the field coming in and with a with the top three recruiting class, regardless of how it finishes. So, but this team's really works hard, really plays well together. And like I said, these guys play for Dabo. Uh, yeah. Whether you're pro Dabo, whether you're anti Dabo, there is no doubt these guys they they kill themselves for that guy. They love no, that guy. No. Play. They play hard for their coaches, and it's 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 admirable to watch. Unlike Alabama in this same spot back in January with Clemson, and I think the sort of comparisons you draw there in terms of the concerns with this Clemson defense and the ones that Alabama had against uh, against Clemson back in January, you don't question the uh, chemistry or culture right now. You're right. Though this Clemson team is together. You you get that sense very much so. Whereas with Alabama, uh, nearly a year ago to the day, uh, that wasn't didn't seem to be as as much of the case. And not just talking about not just talking about players, by the way. We're talking about the staff and and kind of everything in general. So well, you saw uh, you saw you saw them rally around. Uh, <clears throat> you saw the team rally around Trevor Lawrence getting hit, and that wasn't a cheap shot. I mean, they nobody was saying, nobody was saying, "Hey, that's a cheap shot." They just saw their quarterback get drilled, and it motivated them. You know, it motivated them, and they got fired up. And you know, that again to me, that is a question. I don't know how you're reviewing something that I don't even know how that's going to review. You know, I thought the whole thing was it had to be a, a, a flag or a questionable play. I was a little confused how that even went to review. And again, that's a play where I don't think Wade had any intentions of leading with his helmet, but you got to ta- you can't really tackle with your butt. You can't go in butt first. You go in six, a 6'6 six, six guy. He's 6'6". Six, six. You go to hit him in yeah. his chest and he drops levels. You know, it's just, you, you know. Can use I, your, you can use your butt if Mark Sanchez is your quarterback. But other than that, yeah, that, uh, yeah. it's hard to force fumbles with your with your buttocks. No <laughs> doubt about it. Hey, uh, as we get out of here on New Year's Eve on the T. Watts and TR podcast as a part of the Built by Bama on Built by Bama online podcast franchise, we'll call it. We'll call it a franchise at this point. Um, what about the New Year's Eve plans, Tim? Will you make it to the ball drop? Do you care about the ball drop? You know, what, what, what's sort of the traditions, if there are any, for the uh, for the Watts clan on New Year's Eve? Black Eyed Peas, maybe? Yes, that's huge. That was My wife's put that in, and I actually love it because I love Black Eyed Peas. But she does the whole Black Eyed Peas, turnips, ham, uh-huh. something else, yes. right? Cornbread. Yeah. So we do that on New Year's. New Year's night will be pretty laid back. I mean, my oldest two sons are teenagers. They'll... They'll they'll make it to midnight now, but to be honest, none of them have ever really stayed up. I used to really push them to stay up to watch the ball drop in New York because it's 11 here. Um, even my youngest daughter's 12, my, my youngest son's 13, and they'll they'll try to stay up if they have friends over. They'll make it. If not, I've I've taped the ball dropping and showed them the next day, so I'll be up. I mean, I'll I'll be up, but I don't I don't think it means as much to them. Uh, one of them's going to ask me how's it New Year's in new york but not here so i'm gonna have to start trying to figure out the whole the uh the eastern pacific the standard chinese time i gotta explain all that to him which is beyond my pay scale you know who the man still is when it comes to new year's and he's been gone for almost seven years now or more than seven years now dick clark i mean it's still dick clark new year's 2020 and dick clark hadn't seen a new year's tim since 2012 you know that you talk about a legacy. 
How about Dick Clark, man? He still he still owns New Year's Eve, and he died back in April of 2012. Yeah, sometimes there's just those guys that just, you know, they just – I don't know how to explain them. You know, it's almost like this guy on uh, – I think Dick uh, was business savvy as much yes, as – and he, Dick he, he maybe knew business a little bit. He was just a smart guy. He was a guy you liked. You felt like he was your best friend. A guy to me that's very similar to him is the dude on Survivor, Jeff Probst, I think his name is. Yeah. He he just, like, he's been around forever. And when you sit down and he go to that show, you're like, you feel like you've known this guy forever. He does a really good job. He's very businesslike. Hey, don't forget Rush Probst. We didn't even touch on Rush Probst. And, and, and you talk about a potentially Boom. potentially favorite TV show for 2020. Rush apparently is getting back in the reality TV game, Tim. You know, and we know what happened the last time around with that. That's when we were introduced, really, to uh, Jeremy to Jeremy Pruitt. Pruitt. Yeah, yeah. He, has, he has to hear that a lot from me. Asparagus. The two a days. The two a days <laughs> was a. Was it was a good it was a gift and a curse I think to a lot of those guys Bama, the Bama Bangs. Oh man, what a, yeah. what a real reality TV that was. John fair. Parker's little brother was a quarterback back then. Remember that? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yes. And Hoover was like, and Hoover's still a great high school program. I know these my local team here Thompson's done a really good job and and beating that them region. Them. Man, it's brutal. It is. I mean, you got Takeem's like Spain Park and Oak Mountain. It's got talented kids. And, you know, it's just, I mean, it's, it, <clears throat> you know, all, you know, they had Hewitt Trustful in it at one time. And Hewitt's the only team to beat Thompson this year. And um, it is. It's bad. I mean, there's so much good football. And I'm curious to see what happens next year with, you know, Robbie Ashford leaving Hoover. And Sawyer paid the quarterback for Thompson. He's going to be gone. So they're going to have, you know, two young quarterbacks in there, inexperienced quarterbacks. So that that rivalry is going to be pretty good, but yeah, that the two a days. I wish they do more shows like that. Did you ever watch the show Friday Night Tykes? Absolutely, I watched that it. Show was Pop Warner Football best. out in San Antonio. Yeah, oh, gosh, the Texas guys. You know, Bama. You know what? <laughs> the Bama, Outlaws. You know one of Bama's commitments were on that show, right? Latrell oh, McCutcheon was on the Duck team okay. from Austin. Remember that oh, neon? They had those team? sweet Oregon uniforms. Yes. yes. Latrell yes. was on it. Yes, when he committed, wow. I knew that name, and you I have. I'm gonna have to go back and binge it again. It's on Netflix. So it's on Netflix. Yeah. You can find it. I, I went and found the season he was on. It was funny. He was a trash talking. It's funny though. You know, they say those the, the big dogs start barking early. Well, he he was one. He was yapping. <laughs> It's it pretty funny. I think the scene was he said something, the coach said something, the kid said something, the coach coach said, get the get your ass out of here. Like, get away from me, because yeah. his kid was talking to the coach and scoring touchdowns left and right. So I love that show. That was a great show. Um, I don't know what happened to it. You know, it just just all of a sudden it was gone. So Well, I'm 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 down for any type of return that involves Rush uh getting back into the reality TV game because he is uh yeah. he's a point of television. Uh, I'll be tuned uh, in. That guy, I know, I know he's got all the you know, all the reality show features to him but man that dude can coach i, he can I was, coach i was going out it's kind to, of a shame that it's overshadowed by sort of yeah, his, but, and his history and stuff like that but the dude can coach football yeah i remember going out to his practices before he was it was he was famous and before hoover was national at the time they were just getting in the start of really what they were going to do which was was so great and walking out there and they had all those clocks up everywhere. And, you know, they, you know, they were doing the old five minute and then you sprint 
to another station. Speaking of stations, like the you know the Christmas trees we're talking about, he would run. They would run, and they'd have five minutes for a water break. Those kids would run and get water. There was not a wasted mo- moment or movement in those practices. I mean, he would have those kids out there, and they looked fun. It looked like a great practice because you didn't have to standing around. And you practice, and you've seen practices where your kids standing around, and whether they're a starter, yeah, you know they are. But there was none of that with Rush Probst. You knew right away this guy was a little bit different, and uh, and I meant that in a good way as far as coaching goes. That guy could coach, still can. No doubt about it. Well, we're gonna get out of here before it is actually 2020. You know, we're kind of uh, counting down the the ball drop at this point of the T Watts and TR podcast. You know, it's not like we have anything else going on, but, um, Tim, as always good stuff, my man. I appreciate it, man. We'll see you guys on the round table and you guys give us questions. We'll ask them except about the family jewels. There's no hammers <laughs> to the family jewels. Saving 18. Ah, I think that's a, that's a great way to get out of here. Uh, with that one right there, Tim Watts, always great stuff. Uh, as he said, be sure to join us on the roundtable and at BamaOnline.com. And again, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Built by Bama Online podcast. We'll have plenty of updates coming from you and for you in podcast form in the coming days and weeks. Have a great start to your 2020, everybody. And we'll talk to you again on T Watts and TR on the other side.